Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to Millions of Screens. On today's bonus episode, our full unedited conversation with Sterling K. Brown and Mahershala Ali. It is the millions and millions of little screens. Can't you shut up? I'm busy. Boy, what a great show. Sterling. Hashbaz, Kareem Ali, my brother, was going down. Peace, brother. I was telling him, when you got two Emmys, you could be late. Stop, bro. Stop. <laughs> I was, listen, I was, I would pull that flex with anybody except for the dudes two hours. <laughs> My sincere <laughs> Stop. I have to say, this is a perfect start because this is exactly what we were expecting. We want you guys to talk to each other as much as, as possible. But I, I just wanted to give you guys the warmest millions of screens welcome. Send a hearty Thank congratulations on your, on your Emmy nominations, all of them, including, I believe, your executive producing credit on We Are the Dream, Mahershala. Thank uh, you. Th- yeah. Thank you. Really excited about about that, you know, so so really appreciate it. Uh, well, to, to start off, honestly, I just wanted to get kind of the backstory on your friendship because uh, obviously I was told that you guys met at NYU's Tisch School of the Arts. Um, yeah. but I don't know exactly how that happened. And, and I'm, I'm very curious, you know, how you met and, and how this friendship started. Well, this young brother came along. <laughs> And he he wanted to know how to act. Like he, he wanted- <laughs> wow, wow, <laughs> joke. Yikes! No, Sterling, Sterling. I met I met Sterling K. Brown in 1998. Um, his first year, so grad school's three years. Yeah. I was in my second year, and Sterling was in his first year, and so. And the school is really small. Um, in each year, you have max 18 students or so. Yeah. And so, um, and I think my class ended up with, with 16 because sometimes you lose people for whatever reason. And so um, it, it, acting is, or grad school, these conservatories are, are really uh, intense, dense, um, emotional, yeah. jarring <laughs> experience. It's, it's jarring because you're just constantly being criticized with the idea of helping you become your, not only just the best actor you can be, but the be- your best self. And so I met Sterling in the heart of, of, of that space for both of us, I imagine. I don't want to speak for Sterling, but like that school, those programs are, are just can be really difficult. And um, so I, I met Sterling at NYU. And like I said, it's a small school. And at that time, there's a there's a healthy amount of of people of color there like now, like really. And, and back then they were there. We were there. But it, right. it's, it was still, you know, in comparison to the other students, there weren't like a lot of, of, of black students, per se. And so when you see other brothers come in, you're going to pay potential. You're going to pay particular attention to just them as people, but also just looking at their work in a different way because, sorry to take up all this time, Sterling, but, good, bro. but, but because in part, you got to remember, you go to these schools and for so many of us, especially people of color, you almost experience being trained out of your culture so that you can be considered transformational when it comes down to doing Tennessee Williams and, and, you know, Chekhov and Ibsen and all these other people. And maybe, maybe if you're fortunate in your three years there, you'll get to actually play a black character or be in a black play, maybe if you're lucky. And so, um, so I just always pay particular attention to Sterling 
um, from how he carried himself. He always felt like a big brother for me, even though he was younger than me. Uh, always like so mature and and smart and funny and just generous. And so you couldn't, you you could never not notice Sterling, and you could never. It, the, everyone had the utmost respect for him and for his his work, his thoughts, his opinions, his personality. So I've always loved this brother. He even let me crash at his place one time out of grad school. I think he just graduated. I was broke and homeless for a minute. And Sterling, Sterling let me stay in his 300-square-foot apartment in Harlem. Um, and, 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 and hang with him for like, it was a good week. And we just sat there and had, we literally debated for like seven days, like all that's about everything, especially religion. There were good debates though. It was awesome. It was awesome. It was awesome. So wait, so this is interesting because you never know how, how you're seen by, by people, um, until they tell you. So we should do more press together in the future. Uh, I would love that, brother. Crazy. Like, that's about <laughs> the most glowing review that I've had in a long time. But so here, grad school is a three-year program, and usually your second year is when people say that, like, we're really going to tear you apart, right? So he's yeah. in the midst of his second year as I come coming into my first year. And I can echo a lot of the, the statements that he made because it's almost like you're being – picked apart to be put back together again, right? Because mm. you're going to class for your speech, you're going to class for your voice, and this is for your movement, and this is a scene study, and you feel fragmented, right? And then they sort of try to put it back together in service of, you know, the character or what have you. Right. Um, it is usually what they try to do at NYU, because we started off with 18 people and ended up with 16 as well. And mm. they usually got into this groove where they had two black men, and two black women, and then mm -hmm. the class would, would be diverse as well. Um, but two black men, two black women, except the year above us, there was three black women and one black male, right? Mm -hmm. And then Susan Kelechi Watson came when I was a third year, mm -hmm. or she just a year behind me. She's a year behind you. She's a year behind you. She's the second yeah. year, right? Uh-huh. So we were all there at the same time. And, and just, I hope Sue was all right with this. The first way that I met Sue was when she was dating Mahershala's classmate. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Andre Reeves. Yes. Yes. And my wife was good friends with Susan. My wife is good friends with Susan. Yes. Who I was dating back in, at NYU as yeah. well so yeah so the circles are crazy like the, the way in which things overlap and now we're all getting a chance to play in the same sandboxes right now is really cool but and getting the, and honestly getting the, getting the it brings me so much joy to get to root for each other like yeah. it just and just and, and i mean that from the moment you walk out of school and you start seeing people pop up and stuff or i would catch and see sterling got a pilot or what have you, and you just, everybody is just, at least, I speak for my, look, I, I think it's obviously true for Sterling as well. You're just rooting for each other to succeed and yeah. to continue to grow. And for instance, when I was, I finished Mrs. Maisel last week, and just every time Sterling, you came on screen, I just yeah. like, I just lit up, bro. Like, and then by the end, man, like, by that last episode out by the plane, man, just your work, bro. It's that's why I need you, man, in my life because <laughs> it, I, I'm not joking. <laughs> like, because I, I, look, at so many, there's so many terrific actors out there. Like, there just are so many people just doing great work. And, but when I see you, there's this extra thing that you bring to it, there's this extra sense of like awareness and presence and you're just so sharp like just a ginzu like when you, when you work out there bro so i just I, i'm just honored just to be in this category with you listen and and tony shalhoub like it's crazy like it's it is a stupid category it's stupid the level of <laughs> that is present in the category and I get a chance to mention my name amongst them. It's stupid, um, mm -hmm. including you, sir, because let me turn it around. So Mahershala being the man of faith that he is, he's very careful about the words that he uses. 
to to uplift and not to tear down, right? So profanity mm-hmm. is not in his normal day to day vernacular. <laughs> so let me say the F U C K that this brother musters in the midst of of Rami this year, like it came from like the soles of his feet up through his knees, work for the pelvis came straight from the gut, and he said, "Fuck!" And I'm like, "Bro." I felt every single inch of it because, you know, he didn't want to say the word. That's the thing about it. He himself really didn't want to say it, but he had nothing else to express how he was feeling in that moment yes. other than that F-bomb. You know, it's funny. I wasn't super confident about that scene, but when you text me, yeah, because I have mixed feelings, because you know how you, you'll shoot something and things that get cut together a certain way. You're like, huh, okay. And so you, as an actor, you're always missing, you're always missing what doesn't, at least in your head, what should be there. Right. And so I was like conflicted about the scene. I was like, I don't know if it, and then when you text me, and you were like, bro, I was like, all right, I feel good now. I feel good now. (laughs) I I got the word from the chief, I'm good. Sterling appreciated it, so I'm all right. I'm doing all right. More than appreciated. It's great. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank you. You guys feel free to redirect. What was that? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Oh, God. Okay. You answered so many of our questions already. Like, there are so many questions that were just about kind of whether or not you watched each other and how you reacted to watching each other. And, you know, I, I honestly don't know what that's like. It's so hard for me to imagine what it's like to see you know, your friends acting as a role on a screen and like study that so often. I, I just, I, that's fascinating. It's, can, it's can I? Joy. Wait, real quick. Let me say, it's yeah. actually one of my joys <laughs> to, to watch my friends and, and to watch Mahershala because um, I, I don't believe in what I call the sort of spiritual law of scarcity, meaning mm. that something that is for somebody means that it's being taken away from me. I believe that Mm. what's mine is mine and what's yours is yours. And so that allows me the space to authentically celebrate another person's success. Like when I see somebody do something great, like I don't have to have any sort of um, undercurrent of like, man, I could have done. You know what I'm saying? Like you release all of that and just be like, yo, the work is so dope. So I, I will yeah. frequently text my friends after I watch something and just be like, yo, man. Yeah. Like your foot in that joint. Like, I remember having, so first of all, I told my friend Terrell McCraney this. This is a two-fold story. Yes. Hit up Mahershala after I saw, <clears throat> um, wait a minute, Don't, let me break on camera. Somebody help me out. Moving. Um, Moonlight. Was, was that? Oh, oh, okay. I, I didn't hear you. I, I would have helped. I would have helped. It's all good. It's all good. No. Here's the thing. I was, in, I was in St. Louis. I was in St. Louis, and I was watching Moonlight, and I know that the culture of homophobia in my home city is still very much present, right? Mm. And there was one brother who walked out, and he said, man, this is some gay shit, right? Mm. I called Terrell after it was over. I said, mm. Terrell, you only had one black dude walk out of the movie. I said, that is wow. So I, I told yes. him that he hit me back and was laughing his ass off. But then I hit up my hearse and I listen, you gotta understand, like I watch my man booked something called Threat Matrix right out of school. I watched Threat mm. Matrix. When this wow. Negro was on Crossing George, <laughs> Crossing George. When he first popped up as the fixer on House of Cards, I'm watching me some House of Cards, right? I said, like, bruh, your work is always consistently wonderful. But I said, this joint right here, this may be the one. And I didn't even know if there was yeah. anything that came from it or whatnot. But I was just like, mm. the work in and of itself was so pure. Like, and I, here's the interesting thing. And, I, mm. and now I'll back up after this. Mm-mm. But like having watched your conversion to Islam mm. and, and sort of your development as an actor, mm. there is a soulfulness that was always present as Mahershala Gilmore. Mm. But as Mahershala Ali, mm. there's just something that feels like, you know, people talk about still waters running deep or whatnot. And Mahershala is a, is a quiet man. 
you know, mm. just in, in, in general or whatnot, but that doesn't make him any less powerful. And you see that come across as an actor, like there's a beautiful stillness that comes. And one mm. of my most favorite things to watch him do is to listen. Watching mm. him listen to his scene partner is the most active listening that I think I've seen on screen. And so when that young man in Moonlight was saying like, am I gay or am I this or whatnot? And you were just listening to him and the tears just started to come down. I was like, bro, he doesn't act, he is. You just talk. Sterling, have you ever seen a black man blush, brother? <laughs> I'm just like I know we're on I know we're not on video but I'm like dang man <laughs> got me blushing it's the truth it's the thank truth. you Sterling I, I would like to I would like to sincerely I want to say this early thank you for that uh, sincerely uh, I wanted to say this earlier because when I watch you work I'm always whether whether I'm trying to or not I'm always kind of learning something and as I watched you on The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel throughout the season, what was so clear to me by the time you're in like the barbershop episode, I think that's like episode seven or something like that. Yeah. There's this spontaneity that you, that you find that is also, and don't misunderstand when I say this, it's 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 spontaneous and it's large. It's generous. It's there's an activity and a movement and um uh and a and a and the sense of really clearly being prepared and sharp, but in the moment. And I when I see you, it makes me want to be more bold, uh, less reserved. I I swear on my life. It, more bold, like less reserved, and just like really commit to the moments. And because, in part, like I, I am naturally pretty in, introverted and honestly reclusive. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> to be to be way real, and so how that I think impacts my work is. Like theaters, theater is hard for me, and theater is hard for everybody. I imagine, but what, why I why at least in my body it feels so hard for me is because I'm a relatively soft spoken person. I'm not like um, in some ways I'm not I'm not necessarily like large all the time. So at, at theater challenges me to be my fullest self and to feel the room. And so I've always been more comfortable on film and television in a certain way because I feel like I could be, I, I, I could, I could be more economical, you know, sure. and there's, there's, um, there's an energy and a generosity and you still are very clear about where you're going in the arc of a scene or in the, in the journey of a, an entire character, but just the way you give uh, I know I'm almost kind of speaking inside baseball, insider baseball, but that there's a there's a generosity in your work where it helps me understand the term generous actor when I watch you, if that makes sense. Like I swear, like it really, it gives me it. it your work is aspirational to me, and it gives me a barometer for um, uh, for for truth for sure. But how? The, a, a, a way in which that could be communicated in a manner that I that that resonates with me, that I understand, and that is that goes beyond what I what I normally do. It is very it would be very challenging for me to approach the work in the way you do, but but I, I accept that challenge and love that love that you're you're just here for so many of us to kind of pull from and be and be inspired by. So thank you, brother, so much, man. I just sent you a private message, I think. I don't think... <laughs> I don't think I got it. I probably, you, know, you, told me, you, you told me to shut up? <laughs> no! I'm telling you, like, you, you read the script to perfection. Like, make you know. <laughs> No, that, man. Uh, that, that wasn't means, exactly private. That, yeah. that, that means so much to, to me. Um, it's... You know, we, we went to the same school. 
We both love Van Lu. We both love Ken Washington. Yeah. Yes. You can talk to too about yes. as well. But uh, to to receive that kind of kudos from from people whose work you enjoy uh, means the world. So thank you. Thank you. Of, of course, brother. Thank you. I got it. Sterling, well, let me ask a question. Unless, unless, unless Ben or, or one of our hosts have a question. Lily was about to, but then oh, please go, <laughs> please, 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 please go. I couldn't even figure out how to unmute myself, so I don't think uh, I have the right to ask a question. No, please. Uh, please. I okay, but I want to circle back to whatever you were going to ask him. I okay, know. All good. I know that you you both sort of broke into the industry as dramatic actors or or actors primarily in dramatic roles. Um, was it difficult to start getting people to consider you in comedies or, or did you get offers for comedies and, and, mm. and did you have to fight actively for those roles? What was that like for you, bro? Because you, I mean, cause I, when we first came out of school, like yeah. a lot of comedy things probably would have been like UPN related or whatnot, but I'm, I'm curious, what was your journey? In terms of- yeah, I think it, the industry has changed so much in 20 years since Sterling and I started working professionally, you know, and like TV was TV at that time was something that I don't want to speak for you, Sterling, but it was when we were in school, I would say that the goal was film, but it was like, film or theater kind of thing, but you couldn't, you couldn't really eat off the theater sustainably. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's so difficult to do. And so our goal for so many of us quietly was to have film careers, you know, and, but television was like a means to an end at that time. And you had to like navigate it uh, uh, very carefully. So comedy was really only, it, it really looked a certain way and it was for a very slim audience, a specific, it was for a specific audience and for black people, for black people to participate in that, we usually have to be on a black comedy and there were only so many and they're kind of shaped a certain way. So for us, I, at least for us coming out of school, like you, you, there's a, there's a snobby element to that. Like, you know, a, a little bit because you, you've seen people, leave the school and come back and have these amazing careers and they're doing talks and whatnot. So in your mind, you have a certain goal. So I, I know for me, I, I, I got out of school and, and had just certain careers or certain people in my mind. And, and so the, the comment, you know, I look, look, I, I've always been fascinated by Robert De Niro. Yeah. And, and, um, especially his work in, you know, 70s, 80s, early 90s, like just, it's just some of the richest, most consistent work that still holds up to this day. I just watched Raging Bull, you know, I was just watching it last week. Does it hold so, up? Does it really hold it, up? Oh, absolutely. Oh, my God. Oh, okay. I was about to say, I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> but, but here's the thing, though. Here's the thing, in a real way. There's movies that are classics, but you go back and there's an element in the acting that feels dated, right? Or in the cinematography or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like De Niro's work feels like, oh man, you still got to try to get to that. That degree right. of naturalness and relaxing and whatnot, you know, right. and just the spontaneity. And so anyway, my, my longer, my, my, my point is, is really that coming out comedy really wasn't the goal because in a, in a, not that we didn't respect it and didn't do comedy like we did, but it was this, you basically knew that once you were leaving a conservatory, good luck on the writing, getting out of school, like just in general with anything, television writing was often bad. A lot of, if the movie was good, you better hope you got a good part sure. in it. Cause the writing may be suspect. So you were almost, at least for me, I was always trying to enter into whatever space that I could like live with and do my best to like elevate that character, elevate the story, elevate the, the, elevate the material, you know? And, and then at a certain point you start stringing together a career or experiences and you turn around and you've played, you know, seven, eight, 10 dramatic parts. And then it kind of, the focus narrows or the opportunities narrow and you're kind of not going out for the same thing, but you're not, 
it wasn't like I was getting this mix of, of comedy opportunities. And also your reps at a certain point don't even know you're funny or don't know that you have a, at, like enjoy comedy or have done comedy or written stuff in school or whatnot. So it just, it took me, I don't think I got to do any comedy until I did an episode of, of, of room 104 or something like that, you know? So it was like, are you serious? Oh my God. Yeah. I did a, I did a, I I did a short, um, (laughs) but before that, but other than that, yeah, yeah, it was room 104 was the first comedy I did. And that was in 2016 or 2017. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But I I hadn't had an opportunity. Okay. So let me, let me chime in here. Um, Please. Because slightly different, but similar in that I think we both are the dudes in our class who were known to have gravitas and like presence, et cetera. And so you get normally like the, those roles come, you know, deep voice, et cetera. The heavy, the heavy. heavy. And you're all, and you're always in school. You're always 60. You're always 60 and white, but like you never get to be like the, the hot leading guy. You're always the old guy with advice. (laughs) <laughs> so yes this is true but but one thing that i was always very cognizant of in grad school because you were saying this about your reps is that like the teachers start to see you as not necessarily being funny because you occupy these roles and so there's something that i was in the back of my mind i was like oh i have to cultivate my sense of humor myself because the i'm not the character dude in class that, right. You know, they're going to be like, oh, this guy's Lotsy is so off the chain and whatnot. But right. so in my <laughs> mind, I was like, all right, I have to show them the funny. Like, and, yeah. and even for me and Randall, like, it's always been important to me that, like, as, as, as you know, emotional as his journey can be, it's like, it's mm. important that you also laugh with him because that makes the moments when the rug comes out even that much more. Yes. Feel yes. Better. Yes. So I, I'm always looking for different opportunities. Like I got a chance to do Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I got a chance to host <laughs> SNL or what have you. And so like just trying to show folks that like, no, 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 no. Brown likes to tickle the funny bone. Um, and yes. put it up there as much as possible because all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. Like I, I love all of humanity and all of its facets. And I can't think of one person who just has a fully dramatic life or a fully comedic life. Like it's finding the colors that gives the roles excitement for me. Yes. Yeah. Well, Dang. certainly it's interesting you bring that up. Uh, Cause I think one of the things that I find most uh, endearing about Randall Pearson is that like corny and at times yeah. like embarrassing dad sense of humor. Yeah. Uh, and I know you've obviously had like more difficult acting challenges uh, in your career, but how do you balance not doing that wink to the audience in those moments? So it's believably embarrassing to the kids. Yeah. It's not even like, I never come be, I'm, I'm never concerned about that because my TV daughters give me such the right reaction to every time I tell the joke. I was like, <laughs> that's, that's all I need. Like I really just try to get them. I, with the words, being what they are, I try to make them laugh. Like that. <laughs> and if I get them to laugh even a little bit, I win. If they just completely dismiss me, then I will keep going with the joke <laughs> until I find a way to get at least a sliver of a laugh. That's the only audience I'm concerned about in that moment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's straight dad strategy. Like, uh, straight dad strategy. yeah. That's, that's method acting right there. Hey, the first rule of being a father, you got to be persistent. So, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, wait. Yeah. Wait, that, that turns a question that I have for you, Marcia, which is. Yes. This role that you just got finished with on Rami. Yeah. How do you think it was impacted by virtue of the fact that you got to tackle it as a father? Like, if you had done it before, do you think it would have been different? than now being a dad and having a young lady. What I love about the part in, and, and in playing a father, specifically with a daughter, is that uh, I, I don't even know how old I was supposed to be or how old specifically Mamea's character was supposed to be, but I will say that she's significantly older than my daughter. Yes. And 
And so considering my daughter's three and a half, and let's say Mamea was 24, um, it, what was great is that I had that root, I had that seed in my mind and in my heart to connect to as far as just having a child and knowing knowing what that what that love is but it's so specific to the moment that my daughter is in right at the age and that she's at so I, I had the kernel but when I think about someone who is fully grown fully developed and raised so consciously like that right and and nurtured and as a father as best as he could be as best as he could do has protected and shielded her from certain elements, right? But also nurtured her independence and, and free thinking and, and has done his best to empower her. Like all that, I loved and appreciated. And then I, and I could just, I, I just really had to sit with the idea of somebody deeply hurting yeah. and almost thinking about it as, I hate to go there, but almost thinking about it as someone almost emotionally molesting your child, essentially, right? Like with, with his decisions and his actions and that, it just hurt me to see her hurt. It hurt me. It hurt the idea of her being in pain. Yeah. It just, it deeply hurt me. And it was, it, it and it goes beyond that anger because when someone, God forbid, impacts your child, there's there's this there's this helpless quality to it that, and it's it's not a feeling I wish upon anyone. And I feel like I'm imagine we've all been there at some point in your life where you just I mean, well, right now we're living in it, where there's something that is just is bigger than you, and there's nothing you can really do. There's very little you can do to impact it or make it better or to take her pain away or to go back in time and make a different choice. And so uh, it, it, thinking about it in that way, I felt like I just had Rami did such a wonderful job and his team of just setting me up to have, have several emotional mental tools in the box, you know, or things to, to really connect to that, that were, that I could also just be inspired by in, in my own life. And so, um, fatherhood, fatherhood terrifies me in, in a, in a way like it does. Cause I don't, I don't know if I'm doing it right. Right. And, um, and, and man, just to, just so you, yeah, know, yeah. you are not alone. <laughs> yes, 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 <laughs> yes, yes. Like it's so much of it, 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 it terrifies me. And you just, um, you know, you just want to do, you want to, you, you just want to do it right or do it true or do it, do it to the best of your capacity. And, and a lot, a large part of that is just trying to protect your children from, from from being hurt even though you really can't like fully you can't but but you want to but like the 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 nervousness that a parent that i'm realizing that a parent kind of inherently lives with yeah. for the rest of your life is something that has helped that helped me come to terms it helped me understand and put into perspective what my job was to communicate on the show yeah. Um, so underneath all of that is that that love, that deep love and and only the fear that a that a parent can really have, like nestled in there that ends up impacting how all those moments played out. It's beautiful, man. Like I, I thank you. I'm thinking a couple of things like you, you're the sole responsible one because her mother is not present. I don't know if that's yeah. her mother was, her mother was deceased. She had, deceased. and we didn't, we didn't really like get into it like that on the show, I, but the, her mother was deceased. So essentially I was a, I was a single father. Single yeah. dad doing yeah. that. And then wait, I'm, cause I'm sure these good white people have another question, but I'm gonna ask one more. Yes. Because I think how cool was it for you to be able to display um, your religion, and maybe it was mm. not necessarily the way in which you practice it. I'm not yeah. really sure, mm -hmm. but, but to to see 
like you were talking about NYU earlier and, and the Chekhovs and the Ibsens and the Millers and the Williams yeah. and not, but like to be able to step in something that was specifically written for you within your religion as well. This is the first time I've yeah. been able to practice it on screen. What was that like? Well, I'll tell you, Sterling. In 2000, and so I converted December 31st, 1999. Okay. My third year of grad school, your second. So, and I remember I started doing my prayers at school and like I, we were doing blues for an Alabama sky and I would like sneak off real quick and make my, my mug rib prayer, my evening prayer, go do the play or whatever. And it was, it was invigorating, inspiring. I was like just in awe of life. But it was also really difficult because I was like, what the heck did I sign up for? I didn't realize that it was this challenging, right? <laughs> you know? And so I, I, I graduated school and, and I was very fortunate within, I don't know, we graduated May 5th, 2000. Okay. And by February 2001, I booked a pilot. Right. And it was, cro- right. it was, it was, it was crossing Jordan. Crossing Jordan, okay. And... I had turned down this opportunity to work with Sir Peter Hall because I was playing, I trained him from New York and I got back to DC, DC. I was doing this play, uh, the great white hope. Right. And I got cast as Achilles and I hadn't had time to read the play. I think it was Titus Andronicus or something. I hadn't had time to read it. Cause I just put a monologue together, trained in, did the audition. By the time I got back, I, I got the job. Yeah. And then my co-star, Kelly McAndrew, says to me, so what happened with the audition? I was like, yeah, I booked it. She goes, who are you playing? I was like, Achilles. She was like, oh, wow. Okay, you're playing a god. And I like, in my mind, again, I just converted to Islam. The main thing in Islam, the main thing in Islam is there is no god but god. Like, god is god and Muhammad is his messenger, period. Like, that's it, right? And so it's this thing in Islam about um, shirk, like associating partners with God. So basically, I was like, I can't do that. I can't play a demigod. And yeah. so I called and I turned down the part. And they kind of freaked out. And then it happened again with something else, a TV opportunity. And then I booked Cross and Jordan. Yes. And this is 2001. And I shoot the pilot. And, you know, you're, you, you shoot a pilot and it starts airing in like October, September, October or something like that. Uh-huh. And, oh, no, it was, it was, I can't remember exactly how that laid out, but we had whatever, five, six episodes in the can. And then the ep- this episodes start coming out. Yep. And then 9-11 happens. Yeah. And when and by, at that time i was going by my full first name mahershala hashbaz ali which is hebrew by the way yes and but people thought it was like this arabic name like this no. muslim name and it was actually a name my mom named me that at the bible right and after the towers happened after after 911 happened and as a muslim first of all you're like that is not islam Right. So you're, you, you feel this like shame, guilt, anger, embarrassment for mm. somebody who has just hijacked your religion mm. and you're American. Like you're not, you're not down with it from that point of view as well. Right. Mm. You know? And so, but then people in the country are just assuming like you're cool with that because you're Muslim, you know? And so it was, a, it was a, it was a difficult time, but as soon as that happened, the next episode, and I think my name came up fourth on that, was my first TV gig, but I was a principal, and I think my name came up like third or fourth, like fourth on that show. Yeah. That next episode that came out, I had two lines in it, if I'm not mistaken. And then the next one came out, and I had like maybe like a scene or something. Uh... And so then it became this thing where I started to feel and as, as quiet as I can, can be in certain ways, I've never not spoken up for myself. Like, I'm not that dude either. I'm not a punk. Like, I will, I will speak up for myself. I just, in general, 
I'll go the other way before I really, really get into it with you because I'm like, I'll let you go and move on, you know? And, but I approached them about it. I started talking to them about it. And eventually I got fired, mm. 19 episodes in. And that was like absolutely devastating for me. And I went back home to the Bay Area. I think I had like, I think I had like a mini breakdown, honestly. Like I really did. And I had to take off like six months or something like that. Yeah. And it was like a rough intro for a kid from Hayward who just started acting 10 minutes ago. It was like so shocking to me to go that far and then to fail like that or to fall on my face or to get fired from my first job. Right. 20 years later, up until the point of my, my literal Islamic 20 year anniversary birthday, I'm playing an imam yeah. on TV and playing somebody with these aspirational qualities that I want to embrace in my own life. So for it to take 20 years from my conversion to getting fired with it, but, but a year after I converted from my first television job to 20 years later playing an imam on television was unbelievable to me because I've always had to hide my religion in a certain yeah. way, or I had to, and not that I'm ever trying to advertise it either. Like, I just feel like your faith and your religion, like, I know you're a deep, you are, you are, 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 are a strong Christian man, like strong in your faith. Like we've had, we've had some dense, deep talks about <laughs> faith, like seriously, yeah. like yeah. more like deep talks. And so, but I don't know, it, like the goal is not for me to go out in the world and proselytize per se, like, or be leading with that. It's just, I wanted to be able to just practice my faith and work. And because between my faith and the work itself, there's a real natural tension that I'm constantly navigating and have been trying to navigate for 20 years. And so that's really been the only thing I've, I've wanted to try to figure out and wrestle with. This other stuff has been a lot to manage, but I feel so grateful because I was also told, you know, I would never be a lead because I didn't believe in like doing simulated sex scenes and all this right. other kind of stuff. And and so I have these goals that to this day I'm I'm still working toward, you know, and want to be able to to have a full a, a career with breadth, you know, and 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 a, a, an expansive, broad, diverse career, you know, and and so I'm still I'm still working at that and. And so I'm so blessed to 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 have to have you as 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 a barometer, as a pole, as a as as a brother, you know, because it just if, if for me, it's so you're, you're such a reminder of 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 what I come from, what we come from. And, and it, you help me just keep keep my gratitude in place, you know. So, again, thank you. This is a love fest, but it's, it's real. It's, it is real. And it's real. It's. I have a feeling that it would would be especially especially meaningful because, like, I was like, she started watching it. First of all, like, yes. kudos to Rami in the first place because I don't think this depiction of Islam has really taken place on screen, right? At least the small screen before, right? You know what I mean? And I remember I was like. I, I thought for a second, I was like, how did he get Mahershala to do this thing? And I was like, yeah. Mahershala wanted to do this thing. I did. I did. Yeah, I did. it was clear. It was clear. I did. I did. I did. And I didn't know what we were going to do. It was just, hey, I'm a fan of the show. We yeah. had lunch. And I was like, look, man, if anything you ever need, just let me know. And he hit me up and was like, hey, what do you think about playing any mom? And I got, I got, I, I'm worried about that because because of what that is and what that, what that means. And, and I know what that means to, to other people. And considering that the, the show goes into some taboo places, I just didn't know what that was going to be, you know, but, but um, I really, I feel really uh, blessed to have been a part of it, but let me go back to my question that <laughs> I, I, I wanted to ask, you know, let me, let me go back to my question. Go for it, um, go for it. I want to, I want to ask you about, it's interesting because we're in this time right now in the last six months mm -hmm. where I feel like the money goes where the awareness goes in our business and, and whatever that may be. Right. And I'm not really making a criticism of that. It's just, it's just true. And, and I think because there is this, uh, there's a civil unrest in our world right now mm. 
for several reasons that I think the, our industry has obviously taken notice. Yeah. And so a lot of our friends who've been busting their ass for years are getting opportunities now, you know what I mean? Or writer rooms are opening up or production deals are happening and things of that nature. What's your question? It was the same oh. before this moment, right? Wait, like wait, the, I lost like the first, the five okay. seconds. I said, I again. Uh, sorry, I said, but for you and I, yeah, the work was always the same before right. this moment, I, up to some degree, right? Sure, sure. And, and but now that the awareness of the, like the industry is sort of like woken up, mm-hmm. or or is in as having some version of an awakening, yeah. Does that, how has that impacted the stories that you may want to lean into telling, the characters you may want to lean into telling, or is it just, I'm really going to do exactly what I was doing before. And if people are going to pay attention, they're going to pay attention more now. Great. Like what, has this impacted how you're thinking about the future your, your, what you want to sign on to, or just do things suddenly feel redundant in any way? Like, take it away. Okay. Um, so I imagine we'd have two different answers to this question because right now I have a regular job. And my regular job is like, hold on one second. Get off of here now. Come on. Don't it, wait. It, it's your regular job calling. It's my regular job calling. Uh, but when you have a regular job as a series regular on a network television, it is an incredible blessing. And then the challenge that you want to sort of navigate as a performer is making sure that you're known for a diverse body of work and not associated primarily with one character. Right, so, right. So with these hiatuses that I've had, I, I'm looking for projects that are as differentiated from Randall as possible. Right. Because it's one thing when people see you on the street and they yell out, Randall! Right. And another thing when they be like, yo, that's Sterling K. Brown. Like, yes, like, yes, yes. The yes. second yes. one to yes. the first, right? Like one, one, you tight, one, you, one you tighten up about and the other one you kind of breathe a little bit. Yes. You're like, oh, yes. good. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, yes. so I'm always looking for, for diversity in that. Now, here's the other thing. Is since OJ, um, there has been opportunities that are presented that before, for, before OJ, for me, it was sort of like, uh, please, Sam, I have some more. Just like sticking your hands out at the, yes. taking crumbs from the table of joy, mate. But now yes. there's actually an opportunity to have some sort of agency in, in right. that you want to put out into the world as a producer right. and the stories that you want to help to tell as a producer. Right. Um, I am taking advantage of this time to do a couple of things in particular. Number one, um, colorblind casting is, I think, something that I'm not looking for anymore. Because mm. I've seen, I'll give a case in point, I've looked at a couple of different scripts that you can tell they haven't changed the names of them or whatnot, and it's mm. for someone who's white. And they're like, well, mm. we consider this. Mm. And the only way you can really consider it is if it's rewritten to reflect why there is a black man here on purpose and mm. not just by happenstance. Mm-hmm. So I say that to say it, at one point in my career, I probably would have just like, I'll take it, you know? Right, right. Like, like now it's like, no, if, if this is to be truly considered, it has to be something with intentionality and not just um, casually just. And when did that happen? When did that, because that's a transition. That's an awareness of your, of your status changing or, yeah. or something that you really want to change. Like, when did that happen? Right. I, I this is say- us. OJ, OJ, even OJ. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Sorry, us. but then it was it was really a just wonderful sort of left right combo of going from OJ to This Is Us that yeah. really gave me just like a broader sort of um, influence over the work that I wish to to do. Right? Yeah, um, yeah. And seeing that, like I remember there are times on, and and this is not throwing shade, so I'm gonna mm. say, it, and then mm. my guys will probably freak out. But it's not a freak out moment, to, to be honest mm. with you. There's moments when I, I was doing uh, Army Wives mm. on Lifetime, 
and like Roland, Dr. Roland Burton wouldn't be written into a scene. <clears throat> then you get the blue pages or salmon pages, whatever it is. And then he's in there and it's literally a line from one of the women in the previous draft has just been reassigned to, to you. Right. So he right. Can, and I'll be like, come on, man. Like, y'all just You're like, she didn't say what you talking about, Willis. <laughs> 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 but it was, it was a moment for me to be like, oh, yes, there's representation. And then there's inclusion, right? Like yes, they're, yes. They're slightly different. Like just me being there isn't mm. enough anymore. Like there's got to mm. be a reason, like a story yeah. that's like, oh, this was on purpose. Yeah. Um, so I think that's probably the biggest thing. And whether it's not, I can take a story and I feel as if it can be adapted to sort of reflect um, a Black experience as, as something that I want to tell. Mm. Um, then I will do that. Otherwise, I will try to find writers who I know have uh, innate understanding of the experience that I'm looking to put on screen. So, like, can we develop this thing together? Mm. Yeah. Yes. What yes. about for you? What about for you? Um, I, I, you know what? I think what has, because of our industry's awareness and desire to, to be, you know, more supportive and to get with it, um, and which is which has been happening though. This isn't just like in the last six months. They're like, let's do black projects. Like you know, it's obviously been happening. Like you know, and and so I, I want to. You 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 gotta you gotta give credit at times because we'll we'll beat our industry up and rightfully so at times. But you also have to be like, yo, there is it is it is changing. Like I'm watching it. I'm seeing it. You know. But I think what does concern me is I just want to make sure, I, I, I hope that with the influx of, of, of projects, the, the materials that are suddenly being broadly supported, I just, want, I, I just want to be careful of there being a redundancy in the messaging, right? And so, like, please, like, with this opportunity, let's make sure that our stories are diverse and we're also just human, like humanize us opposed to everything is the first black dot, 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 or the, the most exceptional black dot, 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 like, you know, name it. And which is, I don't necessarily want to see a huge, a a huge uptick of first black, whatever to do anything, you know, because at a certain point you, it, we, we can't always be in a position where every single project we're doing, we're teaching all the time. Like sure. it's th- th- some of that teaching is for us just to be human. Like that right. is teaching too. Right. And right. to be going through a divorce or getting married and f- falling out of love and trying to make the marriage work and raising yeah. your kids and like all the things that like marriage story or any of these other stories are doing, right? Like we have to be able to take advantage of this moment and say, hey, you know that romantic comedy that you guys weren't trying to green light? And the answer can't be, but is he the first guy to do that? that? No, it's just a romantic comedy and they're black, like period, right? And so I think for me in this time, because of, of, look, I have this Jack Johnson project I've been trying to do for four or five years and it's yeah. finally coming together now, you know, but besides, there's this thing where I want to, I want to see black life and, and race not always be the driving issue because that is always going to be, we'll always have those stories. Like it's just true to our experience. So I just want to make sure that I'm contributing in a way that is also purely like humanizing on, on top of, cause I'm going to do the, I'm going to do things that are, are race oriented naturally as well. But I want to make sure that I, that, that I and hope that we give special attention to just to telling the, the, the wide range of stories that we have in our community. I think that's really important because, um, was it Candace Owens was saying like, why, why are we using George Floyd as like this launching pad for, for this particular movement? As if right. like you have to be exceptional in order for your life to matter. Right. right? right. I think that's exactly what you're talking about. Yes. Your life yes. matters. Yes. 
Yeah. Yes. Yes. That I'm looking, I'm honestly looking for like really the spirit of, uh, we, we started a production company a couple of years ago and the, really the, the, the focus and the, the spirit of it is really about, you know, f- finding the exceptional and the ordinary, like what's, what, what are some of the, the, the more mundane stories, you know, and what is, what is extraordinary about this person? Like specifically besides, you know, a, a opposed to them, having to accomplish something that no one's ever accomplished before with that skin tone, you know? So, yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, well, I feel like we could listen to you guys talk for hours. We don't want to take up too much more. Of your, I just, you guys, I just don't want to take up too much more of your morning. You call each other. You can call each other. Have, <laughs> sounds like you have each other's numbers. Well, I was going to say, I, I was going to say. You can also come call. back next week and just do this again. <laughs> like, if you want to just use your phone call time on the podcast, that's more like, than if, if you'd like your own podcast, I'm sure we can launch something. <laughs> and you can set you guys up. Yeah. All right. Add that All right. power. I was gonna say, I was gonna say, uh, Sterling, you are must be the consummate professional because you you just used just enough of you are not alone, so we didn't have to pay the rights, which is perfect. Thank you so much for that. Um, Mahershala, uh, I wanted you to know that Sterling did at one point during the during the talk uh, write a text that said, "The check is in the mail, my brother. You executed perfectly." We all know you're in the on the take. So that'll be the lead in this story. <laughs> yeah. Great. Uh, Great. But I did, I think we'd be remiss, uh, Sterling, if we didn't give you an opportunity to talk about A Million Truths, which is your initiative for Black America to share their experiences with racism. Oh, I just wanted wow. to give you sort of an opportunity to talk about that now. I appreciate it. Oh, wait, I have a little boy walking in. Hey, little boy. You okay? Somebody just woke up. Oh. Oh. You okay, bud? Uh. Here, come sit with me. I can talk about it real quick. Um... <clears throat> Yeah, it's really just a wonderful initiative where folks can tell their stories, uh, where, where black folks can talk about their different encounters with racism, um, be it with law enforcement, be it with, you know, family. Um, you know, I, I share a story about uh, myself and a young lady who were friends and um, her dad was informed that she was spending time with me and he told her to be careful because I would ruin her reputation. And uh, it was interesting because he, he didn't know me from a, from a hill of beans, but by virtue of my blackness, that was enough in and of itself for him to discourage his daughter from spending time with me, not in a romantic way or anything like that. And um, I, I think it's one of these things where there are snapshots that people, mainstream society may be familiar with, um, not in mass, but like they'll have one friend who says something and be like, oh, everything's always black and white with Sterling. Like he's always seen the world this way. And what they don't realize sometimes is that it is a privilege to not see the world um, that way, right? Mm-hmm. There's something in the kitchen? Well, go check it out, big dog. I'll, I'll be with you in just one sec. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, man. Um, but that, that hopefully there is a centralized place where people, thank you, can share their stories, right? And folks, who are black can go and see just like the diversity of stories that are told too, because I think sometimes it's shocking for us in a certain way, or then also too, there will be no legislation of blackness in that regardless of how black you consider someone to be or not, they usually have an experience with racism. That is Mm -hmm. like, that's, you know, well, you know, I think they understand that. Right. And so, um, it's, it's an opportunity to share experience in a way that doesn't feel personally exhausting to me. Because, you know, especially after George Floyd happened, I, I can tell you, I, I received um, a floodgate of phone calls asking me how I was doing, how are you feeling, if there's anything you need, let me know. And you were so appreciative from all of your, your white allies or whatnot and exhausted. I was like, I don't know what to tell you to do, man. Like, you know, <laughs> right. Thankfully, I was like, you know, you're giving me more work, right? You know what I'm saying? I was like, somebody wrote white for you. Like, now I'm having to let up. you know like, I'm okay and make yes. you feel better. Like, but, I feel yeah. <laughs> Yes. It's exactly that. And so, like, this is like, here, now I did this thing. I was like, go to this website. You can hear a ton of stories and y'all can leave me alone for the time being. So, yeah, thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate it, Elton. Of course. Thank you guys so much for being here. I know Libby says she has 50 questions about the 4,400, but we don't have time for those right now. 
Then, yes. Okay, I have a follow-up about Alpha. <laughs> yes, uh, yes. Sorry. No. Oh, uh, I could no. use the 4400 right now. I wish we could kind of like disappear and reappear in another time. God, Honestly. right? Yeah, yeah. But uh, hey, all good. We'll, we'll, we'll have gonna, to have We're going to work it out. We'll work yeah. it out. Yeah. We'll definitely make all sure right. to get, have you guys back and we'll talk about the 4400 then. Um, but thank you so much for being here on A Million Screens. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for doing this. It's an honor to get to talk to Sterling. We've never got to do anything like this before. So thank you so much. You've, you've really, like, this has been honestly a press highlight for me, career-wise. Like, really is. So thank you, Sterling. Thank you guys for hosting us. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Take care. All right. Wait on your next Emmy nominations to come back. All right. All right. Drop us a line and we're here. Sterling will be back next year for sure. Bye, you guys. Bye. Peace, bro. Bye. Peace, peace, Bye. peace, peace. Bye. You shouldn't let poets lie to you. Ain't nothing wrong with a couple of cold brews and a cool podcast. <laughs> lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.